Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Welcome back to the Inspired Table. It has been a very long time since I've recorded an interview. That's actually not true. Hasn't been a long time since I've recorded an interview. It's been a long time since I had some spare time to edit an interview. I'm sitting on some gold and I'm so sorry it's taken me so long to get these episodes up to you. But you're going to love this one. I didn't realize until I was preparing for this interview how much I avoid conversations about death. I can watch death on TV. In fact, <laughs> in fact, criminal murder investigations are my favorite TV genre. And I can talk about death as long as it's far removed from the reality of my own world. As soon as it concerns me or my family or my friends, I'm out of there. I shut that conversation right down. But then I stumbled across Yasmin Trollope's work. And while she is such a lighthearted bundle of joy that it's hard to fear death in her presence. In her past life, Yasmin was a health and beauty editor working across some of Australia's best known print, online, radio and TV titles. It's actually how I first became familiar with Yasmin. I was also in the publishing industry at the same time and I used to always look upon her with glamour eyes because she was in beauty and I had you know, flour and butter all over my fingers (laughs) from being in food publishing wasn't nearly as glamorous. But then when she next popped up on my radar, Yaz was in a completely different field. She was a funeral director. What? I know. Crazy, right? So Yaz is the creator of Rite of Passage Funerals, um, a Gold Coast-based business that arranges heartfelt funeral ceremonies anchored in ritual and ceremony, while passionately educating the community about death literacy and the spiritual benefits of facing your own mortality. Yasmin and I have had lots of mutual connections over the years, but we'd never actually met in person. And then when we were trying to record this interview via Skype, our connection dropped out each and every time. It was so freaking annoying and kind of embarrassing for me. But serendipitously, Yaz was in Sydney the following week. So we actually got to do this interview in person, which was super fun. And it made it all the more special for me. 
I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. And I hope that it starts a conversation around normalizing death and encourages you to have more conversations with your loved ones around their death, but also yours. I hope you enjoy this interview with the beautiful Yasmin Trouble. Okay, so start from way back in the beginning. Oh gosh. Well, let's start. Let's start at like uni. Like, what did you want to do when you left school? I knew that I kind of wanted to get into communication somehow because I love talking and communicating with people, and I've always felt like that's definitely a strong suit. Like, I can connect with people, and I'm really interested in people. So I guess even at that young age, I knew that communications was the field. But mm. then I fell into beauty. I kind of one day found myself being a beauty editor, which still blows my mind. Like I loved it and it was such a great job, but I really genuinely feel like I fell into that job. I was doing work experience at New Idea in my last year of uni and um, a job came up as beauty assistant at Marie Claire. So I'm It does sound like the dream job and I'll just it tell is. you what it's like from everyone's outside perspective yeah. it's like free product mm-hmm. everybody's going to all the beauty editors across all the magazines are going to these delicious breakfasts <laughs> and getting free lipstick yeah. and that was it right that was it yeah. <laughs> that was totally it I'm not gonna lie it was amazing and also like as someone who was in publishing at the time in like the boring food publishing side of things <laughs> You guys all seemed like, although you all worked for different magazines, yeah. you all seemed like the best of friends. Yes, which we were. It was like this really weird little posse of girls, and the yeah. beauty girls are really nice. There's no competition because we all got the same product, so there wasn't kind of this hierarchy of who gets the best outfit, for example, like mm. in fashion or whatever. It was like we'd all go to these events, and we'd all get exactly the same bag of goodies whatever product they were launching so it eliminated a lot of competition and we all genuinely just became really good mates like I'm still friends with my beauty friends all these years later Um, and we would we'd go to great lunches and get heaps of product and it was so fun and in my kind of 20s and early 30s it was the dream job yeah but I also felt like a little bit of a fraud because I was like, how, how did I get here? I love where I am. This yeah. is so much fun. But I wasn't, like, passionate about beauty. beauty. And over time, like, it kind of – I found that I was wanting more. I wanted something deeper. I couldn't write another lipstick story because I just didn't care about <laughs> lipstick yeah, totally. that much. Like, I love it, yeah. but I, I'm not – I really – like how much can you draw I felt like that about chicken I'm like how many different recipes can I do with chicken (laughs) I know I know so um I started to really I got this idea to start this blog called the happiness cocktail and really it was just a way for me to start writing about health and wellness I never wanted to monetize it if I look back at it and I cringe I mean I haven't written on it for years but at the time it was great it was a really good outlet for me to start I guess as I was exploring my spirituality an outlet for me to share what I was learning and also different healthy food you know I do recipes and Mm. stuff like that and that was at the very beginning of like the happiness movement and so it kind of took off a little bit um and It was just a way for me to share and then that kind of steered me in a slightly different direction. So I was doing beauty and health and wellness and my then boyfriend, now husband and I went away in 2011 and travelled 
And so I went freelance and started doing freelance work, more probably health than beauty by that stage. Mm. And things just kind of started moving in that direction. I was doing lots of yoga and diving deeper into this avenue of things. And then I had my babies. And so I had I have two little boys who were totally adorable and launched into mum life. Um, all with this plan. My husband and I had been working on this plan for five years to move to America and start a chicken shop. <laughs> Go to the chicken. Totally like so left field for us, but we had this really I still believe in the idea, but we just weren't the people to execute it. But we know that now. But we've been working towards we built we bought a commercial building in this town called Asheville in North Carolina where Alex's mum lives. We sold everything. So a family of four, we sold everything and we just had four suitcases. Oh, the boys were born at this point. The boys were born. Yeah. This is last year. Oh, oh, So cut yes. to last year. And um, <laughs> and we packed up our whole life, sold our townhouse in Centennial Park, moved to America, got there, ready to start on this big... Is this... Alex American? No. So oh. his mum married an American like 20 years ago okay. and she lives in America, but he's Australian. Um, moved there thinking that we were going to start Roost at this business and kind of got there and very quickly realised that, nope, this doesn't feel right anymore. We kind of put this plan into action before we had kids. And then for us to foresee this amazing vision we had, we really would have had to commit to living there for like 10 to 15 years to mm-hmm. make it financially viable. And I just thought, oh. I don't know if I actually want to raise children here and I miss my family back home and I miss Australian culture. Yeah. There were so many avenues and the universe was telling us that Australia was where we needed to be. And so it was this really crazy time of, oh, my gosh, what have we done? Like, we've literally sold everything. Yeah, wow. Moved our whole family to the other side of the world and then, like, processing that and then also thinking, shit, what am I going to do? Like... I kind of gave up my career thinking that we'd be starting this business Mm. and like and Alex had given up his career too yeah yeah wow (laughs) in hindsight it's uh you know crazy but so fulfilling like the best thing we ever did yeah 100% like I think in life you need to make these bold yet calculated like we we set ourselves up that's why it took us five years Mm. so that we could go over there and have time and not stress and um, these bold things and you think you're on the right path but then you have to and so easy it would have been so easy for us to get into that space of ego and think oh well, we're here now and yeah, we have to what's everyone going to think if we come back we yeah. have to make it work at all costs but we didn't thankfully and in that time when we were there we were doing lots of hiking we just had a we thought let's just have a great holiday so we were there for about eight months and it was there that I started to really do the soul searching that I needed to do to think, okay, well, now actually this is a great opportunity to think about what do I want to do? What is my purpose? What am I passionate about? I really knew that I wanted to create something. Like I, I've always had business in me, so I knew that it was still that. Um, but the big question was what What am I going to do? And so I was, I'll never forget it. I was reading this article in The Economist about how, um, like, people's perceptions of death. And I st- it just was like this lightning bolt hit me when I realised that our perceptions of death in the West need, a, need some work. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, the way, like, the funerals that are available, I wouldn't want for me or my parents or my friends. Like, there's... 
there's not that really alternative options kind mm. of like churn them in churn them out and not enough creativity and love this is such a huge life event you're honoring someone's life and and i felt like this is what i need to do like it was just this moment of clarity for me um and so from that moment on i've literally learned as much as i can in Asheville. there was this really amazing place like organization called the center for end of life transitions and i went and did workshops with them and they mentored me and they really focused on natural death care wow. um which is i think that's why we needed to go to Asheville. actually i think that's why the universe mm. sent us there because there's like no one in the world really doing what they're doing it wow. they were in this small little town in the appalachian mountains so um and connected with a whole bunch of people and rite of passage is now up and running yeah so and was it around that time, I know you mentioned to me that your mum had become quite unexpectedly Yeah. Ill. Yes. Yeah. So it was just before, it was about a year before we left for America and mum had had, an, she'd been diagnosed with cancer and started her treatment. It was stage one, very treatable. They were like, there's a very good chance that mum will get through this. But she then had like a one in 70,000 allergic reaction oh to her chemotherapy God. treatment. And within 24 hours had gone from us like, health, well, aside from the cancer, healthy. Yeah. And um, to in ICU with multiple organ failure <sighs> and the doctors having the chat with my sister and my dad. My sister had a newborn baby, like literally days old. My dad and I, that there's a really strong chance that mum is going to die. And I remember in that moment thinking, no, she can't. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. She's, we can't die. People don't die. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the medicine always saves people. Like, she's in ICU. Haven't you got machines and things to keep people alive at all costs? Like, mm. firstly, I realised how unprepared we all were for death. We never talked about it, never thought about it. And also I realised that I was, like many people, denying death's existence mm. it is such a death denying society we think it's never going to happen to us and those two realizations stuck with me and it wasn't until i put the two together that thought of rite of passage funerals and and really opening up this conversation about let's start talking about death let's let's not i don't want anyone else to be in the position that i was in where i was really you know in disbelief mm. um because the reality is it is we are all gonna die i know so let's not pretend it's not going to happen. Let's prepare for that. Let's use that knowledge that we're going to die to help us live a more fulfilled and meaningful life and use mm -hmm. it not in like a negative, morbid way, but as like the fuel to our fire to really reach yeah. our full potential while we have the time. Yeah. It, it's about flipping it, isn't it? Because for me, like I was saying to you earlier, we don't talk about death in my family. Like I think every now and then I'll say to mum, do you want to be buried or cremated? And then I still don't even remember what she said because I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> so I still don't actually know. I hope she's written it down. <laughs> and um, But lately, both of my parents who are separated, so they're not having the conversation with each other, have decided they want to talk about death with me. Yeah. And they're making it – my dad likes to make a joke out of it. Like he, he – I'm one of five – kids to him so he's made a spotify playlist actually it's That's itunes amazing. he's not he's not clever enough to use spotify <laughs> but an itunes playlist of what he wants played at his funeral wow and the it goes for about five hours yes like it's stupidly <laughs> long 
And I said, Dad, you know, I think between the five of us, we could probably work out what songs you'd like. He's like, no, 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 I think it's really important that I have this playlist. And then every time we hop in the car, should I put the funeral playlist on? (laughs) I love love your dad. Well, (laughs) it stopped getting funny and I started getting quite angry at him because I was like, can we start with this, Dad? Like, it's not funny, you know? Like, I've got friends whose dads are quite ill and... I've got one of my best friends, her dad has cancer, and it's just, it's all very real at the moment, yeah. and I'm like, you're very healthy, mm. and you know, he's 70, but he walks around like a 40-year-old, and he's, you know, as fit as a 30-year-old, Yeah. but I'm like, let's not talk about that, because that's not going to happen to you, Yeah. yet, <laughs> but it is. It is. And I think it's nice that he wants to talk about it. Yeah. So I think the problem is probably me, and maybe I should indulge him a little bit. Yeah. But do you find that... That's people's reaction a lot when it comes to their own parents. A hundred percent. Like, and especially even now as like a mother, like people, mums of all ages are like, oh, I can't think about anything happening to me because what's going to happen to the kids. And then especially our age group as well, it's like my parents are getting older as well. So it's like, I don't want to think about that. It's really uncomfortable to talk about. Mm. But the reality is actually, I think, now I'm learning, the more I learn about this and the more funerals I do, the more you can pre-plan and you can tell your family, this is what I want. I have a whole pre-planning funeral service where we curate these amazing dream services for people of all ages. It's such a gift to your family. Like, yeah. If you can say, this is what dad wanted, this is the music that he wants, and these it eliminates so many yeah. questions when and it time takes the comes. pressure off. It totally does. Yeah. Oh, because now I work it. with families <laughs> and they're like... The ones who know what they wanted. Dad wanted to be cremated. He loved roses. I did this amazing service last week um, in a rose garden because he loved roses. That's what he lived for. And it was... He told them a lot of what he wanted. Mm. And if you go... I'm working with another lady. She's uh, got brain cancer and I'm, I'm pre-planning her funeral down to the last detail. And she's so... She's so amazing. She's. I'm so lucky to have met her and be working with her on this. And... It's because when it happens, you found their family is in obviously deep grief. Everything mm. is so raw, and it it is quite fast. Unfortunately, I wish I could slow it all down, and but it is quite quickly the funeral director comes in and we start doing things. So everything is so raw. If you're then on top of your grief, going, oh, oh. what songs do I play? Like it's all yeah, so irrelevant. What you like? What exactly. You like? Yeah. And it's like I don't care what casket he's in. Like I just mm. want him here or yeah, her yeah. here. So if you can actually give that gift to your family, start talking about it, write it down, say, these are what I want when the time comes. And even, like, I've done it because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't want my husband having to question, like, what what would Yaz want? How would she do this? You know, I've written my spiritual wills to my sons. I want to start also, like, filming little videos so that if that does happen, like, what a gift to them mm. to have like handwritten letters from their parents and videos that they can hold on to. Yeah. And it's it's really beautiful when you start kind of preparing for it. It's not like going to bring it on. It's not like just because you're <laughs> organised. I think that's it though. Yeah, People it? think by talking about death you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to happen. It's really not. Yeah, it's ridiculous when you say it out loud. But it, I think that's it. It's like, oh, well, if we talk about your funeral, we're pretty much just digging a grave, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, but it's so yeah. not. And, and I promise you, the more you can say, okay, Dad, like, you obviously want to talk about it. Okay, Mum, you want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's start planning this then. Mm. Let's write some stuff down and 
Because I promise you, even in, if it happens in like 40 years, the, mm. the day that it happens, which for all of us is so heartbreaking, but it will. It will. The more you are prepared for it and the more you also have like stuff written down and organized, you can just go, this is what they want. Yeah. I don't even have to think about the stuff that in that moment seems so irrelevant because mm. I'm so like raw with my grief better yeah you know Mm. and it can be like really cathartic and healing i think i think you're right i think it can be i think you know there's also these well hang on how should i put this like when somebody when somebody's partner has passed away or somebody's child has died or, or even a parent i mean it's all it's all the same what do you say like what are some things that we can say as a friend or as a family member or whatever to be supportive because I feel like people freak out in those moments too they're like I don't know how to support I don't want to say the wrong thing so I'm just going to say nothing yeah and that can be 10 times worse yeah um well like what kind of advice would you give around that sort of conversation around death I think some simple things you can say like I'm so sorry you're going through this um checking on on them how are you doing today like how are you doing is not a good question because Of course they're doing shit. And like, I've been through like a exactly, zillion emotions in Exactly. It's yeah. like, you're never going to do well. Like, I don't, and it's like, how are you doing today? How is it in this moment for you? What can I do to help you? Doing practical things as well, like bringing over food and eliminating all that, the life stuff, because it's weird. Life doesn't stop and they're dealing with this massive loss and there's still stuff that needs to be done and life carries mm-hmm. on around them and they is if you can like be practical and help with that stuff to alleviate that pressure so that they can just focus on getting through that moment and that day. And also I think just holding space. Like grief grief is such a intense emotion and there's no kind of linear one minute you they'll be fine and the next they're angry and the next they're completely yeah. breaking down. So just like holding space yeah. and listening. Also, I think a lot of people feel like when someone when when someone loses someone close to them, you can't talk about it or you can't mention their name. And I think mm. that actually a lot of the time they do want to talk about it. Yeah. They do want to talk about it. They want to talk about that person and they want to mention their name and then the family members feel like they have to hold back cuz they don't want to make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. And it shouldn't be like that. It's yeah. like one of the first things I do when I go and meet with the family is like, tell me about your loved one. I want yeah. to know what were they like that, so that I can get a clear picture of what kind of a funeral they might want. And you can see them softening. They're like, they start recalling the memories. Mm-hmm. And like it does, it's painful, of course, but it also brings a smile at times as well because they, all, they might have a laugh about a funny family story or remember when this happened because he was, you know. So... Don't be afraid to talk about yeah. that or allow them just to share their feelings and emotions. And yeah. Holding and you don't have to fix anything, No. Right? You just, yeah, you're, you're holding space. So tell me, Yaz, you, <laughs> you seem like quite a sensitive soul. <laughs> so <laughs> how do you get through a funeral all the time? Um, yeah, you know, that's, I think, my spiritual journey and having to, like, confront my own mortality is my way of not being afraid of death so I've had to like eliminate heaps of fears and I've had to be completely 
trusting in the process. So it's like wherever I'm at right now is exactly where it's meant to be. And so for me, I have started to just like imagine I'm in a little bubble and I have to, I can give out all my love, but I can't let the, I can't take on all that grief. Yeah, yeah, it can't yeah. penetrate the bubble. No. Um, and that's a work in project progress for me because I'm new to mm. this. Um, and I am a really giving, open person, but I do need to learn to kind of protect myself a little bit. Absolutely. Because I, you know, I can't, I, if, otherwise I'll just burn out and yeah. I want to help as many people and families yeah. as I possibly can. Um, and not, but I, on the flip side of that, like if I want to cry at a funeral, like I'm not going to be hysterically bawling in the back because <laughs> it's a bit unprofessional, but I also don't feel like we need to be, and I'll say to the families at the beginning of a service, I want you to know this is a really safe space for you to grieve exactly as you need to. Yeah. Do not feel like you need to hold back tears because a lot of the time at the funerals I've been to, not the ones that I've held, but um, there is this kind of feeling that you need to be strong and you like you can see people almost holding back their tears. Mm. So I express to them that this is a really safe space and you're here and you're supported by your loved ones. Mm. So let it out. It's really healthy. So if I feel like I need to shed tears, I do. Mm. Like I, I feel like I'm a per- like I'm human. So I want the family to know. And take taking part in the ceremony. Uh, totally. So do you have a bricks and mortar funeral home? Not yet. No. no, I go out to the family's homes and then I've found like my mortuary care and things like that. Oh I've yeah, so that was my next question. Yeah. You you're not I'm gonna... doing things with the body. <laughs> I do. Oh, you I do? pick them up from the mortuary and I have to um like identify them and everything like no. that. So it's actually really beautiful okay like the first time I was going to see a dead body I there was a moment where I thought oh gosh what if this like totally freaks me out and I'm I mean I can't do this job if I can't cope and they put the sheet back and I was like oh he's so peaceful it's actually really really yeah it's actually quite beautiful depending on the stage of you know they've been in the fridge quickly or you know they're not all like that because obviously decomposition and things like that can we talk about this for a minute yes i mean (laughs) my only real kind of impression of funeral directors Mm. and the the whole behind the scenes mortuary experience yes like the movies yes and it always seems a bit grim and dull and the funeral directors and morticians are always a bit odd yes yes um, and then there's like some strange chick who like comes in and like puts yeah. makeup on like them and gets a kick the goth out of one. it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so does that what happens really no. no you know it's really funny because a lot of the people i've met in the funeral industry are really cool like yeah. i think because you are around death all the time it's like we call it ourselves like deathies and there are it takes like a certain type of person to be a deathy um but most of them are like quite quirky mm. <laughs> but not i don't know it's but not creepy not creepy no. no i mean of course there are creepy ones too yeah but i don't gravitate <laughs> towards creepy, creepy ones. people everywhere. totally <laughs> um but yeah it's just i think once you venture down the road like this road and start learning about it it's not creepy no no and i'm like going to do some 
training on like there's little things you have to do like pacemakers have to be removed and basic prep and stuff like that so that you know I'm gonna learn Um, at the moment I have someone who does it for me but she's gonna teach me as well Mm. um, so that I can do it which it will be like I'm not I'm not worried about it great yeah it doesn't it doesn't freak me out or anything I mean I couldn't obviously do this job if it did no you couldn't Mm -mm. so when you start I mean it wasn't something obviously that you'd grown up thinking about doing so when you started doing it yeah did it kind of feel like home like did it feel really familiar to you it did it's so weird because I've had heaps of business ideas and things like that in the past but then when you start start it it just seems like you're climbing Mount Everest and you're like oh this I can't do this this is so hard Mm. But with this, with Rite of Passage, it was really easy. Yeah. It was really – I just kept taking steps. I kept learning more and learning more and doing and learning and learning and learning. And eventually I was like, oh, my goodness. Here I am. Here I am. Goodness. I'm doing it. Yeah, so good. And it was – it has been um, – you know, like it's obviously required work, but it hasn't felt challenging, mm. which is why I think it's right as well because it's – flowed really easily yeah beautiful Mm. you mentioned earlier spiritual wills yes can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah absolutely so i am about to launch actually a like a mini course i guess um writing your spiritual will and spiritual wills are essentially um like a letter normally i recommend handwritten just because there's something so special about a handwritten letter Mm. that really explores your values your beliefs your wisdom your dreams for the future for your loved ones or family members or even yourself depending on where you're at in your journey um and you're basically just getting it all down on paper um passing that knowledge and love onto future generations like Mm. almost paying it forward you know and then that becomes like a family heirloom it's such a gift because you're writing like this is this is me and this is what's important to me and these are my stories and you've got kind of anecdotes tied into it and but it's all your core pillars in life and then you pass that on to future generations and it stays there and it's just something so tangible and and sacred Mm. I think and I really believe everyone should have a spiritual will yeah I really do. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, if you're single, if you're married, mother, father, whatever. I really think that this is an important part of your life's journey yeah. is having a spiritual will and writing it even at different stages. Like you might write one now and then you might revisit it in 20 years and be like, mm. oh my gosh, I've learned so much more. Yeah. Like I can add to this and it evolves over time with you. But then if, if an accident happens tomorrow, you've like your family and loved ones have this amazing like letter that's your soul on paper Mm. um that they can just cherish forever yeah so i'm like really passionate about spiritual wills i think it's so important so important what about regular wills (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) what about like legal documents yes do you think that we should all be writing those as well absolutely i think so the more you can prepare and be like really practical is like the better because it just eliminates all these questions if something were to happen tomorrow you know and you don't like I've seen the difference between someone who's organized 
for their death and someone who's not. Totally. And you leave your family with a shit fight if mm. you're not. Like it just and it just makes the grief even worse because you're dealing with this loss, but then you're also dealing with all this other admin crap. Absolutely. Whereas if it's all neatly tied up in a bow, it's like, oh, I can just focus on my grief and everything else is taken care of. And I think it's the selfless thing to do. Such a selfless thing to it do. It is. Absolutely. Okay, there's a few more things I want to ask you before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. How do we... Like, you have two little boys. Mm-hmm. What kind of discussions do you have with them around death? Um, I'm really honest with my boys about death. Like, I think it's it's framed in a way that's age-appropriate. Um, but I think, for me, honesty is how I talk to my children about all things. Like anything so death is no different for them Mm. um they understand like I kind of frame it in the cycle of life and even if you have pets you know we live in semi-rural environments so they might see like a dead wallaby on the side of the road or something and they'll ask about that and I'm just really honest about it and just talking about the cycle of life and that this is this is how it is you know you're born and you live and you fulfill your purpose and you know you you reach your highest potential in whatever way that comes Mm. you make mistakes and you learn lessons and then you know we die we all die Mm -hmm. and we hope that that's not going to happen anytime soon you know but it's the reality of it and you know do they know what you do yeah yeah my five-year-old does he's like mum plans people's funerals (laughs) and and you know the mums at school like oh yeah Yeah. we know who's that the woman in all black hiding in the corner (laughs) um so yeah they know they know all that and they'll like if i'm planning a funeral arlo will say to me my eldest will be like so he's dead now i'm like well yeah he is and Mm. you know now he's a star and you know you just talk about it in a way that is not like they're not remotely scared or worried or anxious about death at all like it doesn't freak them out in any way if anything they're really curious and Mm. children are so resilient like a thousand times more resilient than adults it's amazing how quickly they process things and then bounce back you know absolutely even when they suffer loss and you know or if you have if you have pets i think pets are a great way Mm. to talk to children about you know the life cycle as well because they love something and then they kind of have to process their grief and and understand this cycle but yeah I I often say as well like they're a star now and they're you know looking down Mm. and um their soul lives on I think it just depends on your beliefs as well and and what that is and just talking to children in a really honest way yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, not trying to kind of mask it or... No, or pretending that... Fantasize it. Yeah, yeah. pretending it's never, like, going to happen, mm. but also not, like, freaking them out. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Love me hard because <laughs> I've known you forever. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, there is that little that balance, but I think that, um, like, just seeing it in my voice, they're really... Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, and that's good because then they're going to have open conversations with their friends about it. Yeah. And they'll be good support systems for their friends later in life. Totally. And I feel my my five-year-old's super deep. Like, he's so gorgeous, but he's like a really deep old soul and he always wants to have the big conversations with me about the big questions, of which I love. But, yeah, so then I can see him starting to explore it. Like, mum, like, 
what happens when you die? Or mm. would you be sad if I died? Like, he feels comfortable asking all these questions. And because I am so comfortable with it, I can, I can answer them. Yeah. Whereas... It would be very easy to be like, brush it off. Or, don't ask yes, that. Don't like, nothing's ever going to happen to you. Yeah. And just brush oh, it off. Yeah. But I feel like if they want to explore that and they're asking you these questions, just be really open about it and like calmly take it on yeah. and explore that with them. Yeah. Because it's worth knowing. Mm. It's important for them to know and realize that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those questions are things we can just be asking as adults as well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. But it, like I know even my parents, I nearly died in Turkey when I was 15 um, of gas poisoning. Ooh. I was natural gas poisoning. I was in the bath at my grandma's house and a bird had laid its nest in the pipe where the natural grass goes out and the like pipe big thing, it was just like one of those foil, you know, those foil kind of yeah. had fallen out of the wall. I didn't realise. So... When I turned on the bath, the natural gas that was heating the water was actually just coming straight back into the bathroom. Oh, my God. And you can't smell it. No. Anyway, I don't remember anything. Uh, I remember getting out of the bath and then that's it. I collapsed. Mm. I was unconscious for ages because I didn't wake up until they were like had to revive me or whatever they did in the hospital. And apparently I was, like, moments away from death. They'd said to my dad, if she was minutes later, there's no way she would have made it. And last night I said to my parents, I said, oh, what happened when I nearly died? Like, I really want to know about it. Yeah. And they're just like, don't talk about it, yes. No. That, that, and I'm like, but I want to know. Like, did I really nearly die? What were you doing, Dad? And he's like, I can't talk about it. You're fine now. It's okay. And he brushed it so off. interesting, isn't but it? But I was like, no. We yeah. need to talk about this. Don't brush it off. Yeah, because it's healing for you as well. It'd be very healing for them. Yeah. You keep pressing them oh, on that. I will. That conversation <laughs> is not over. No, that's not over. <laughs> okay, one last question I want to ask you. Yes. How... Um, like I said, my I, I'm very I'm very lucky in that I've only ever been to two funerals. One was my mother's mother, and she happened to live um, in Woolloomooloo at the time. So her local church was St Mary's Cathedral. Oh, that's amazing! Oh, no. So we had the funeral at St Mary's Cathedral. That's very... That was a side note. So mum's mum, and then my one of my best friends grandfathers they're the only funerals I've been to mm-hmm. so I haven't had a lot of death in my family my my dad's parents both died overseas and he went over for the funerals but I didn't go on up anyway my interpretation of funerals is always quite morbid and very sad and you know everyone's in black and yeah it's not great and that's what you see in the movies a lot yeah how how are the funerals that you're doing with rite of passage how do they differ my funerals are, I kind of put them in the context of honouring a person's life. So it's not really a celebration. Like, it's never going to be a happy event. Yeah. Of course it's sad and I honour that. But it is about honouring a life. And how I do that mostly is really through anchoring the services in ritual and ceremony. And I think that through ritual and ceremony, you can really harness the energy of the people that are in that space to create something, an opportunity to heal in that moment and create new memories of something being like the funeral being really special Mm -hmm. and totally appropriate to that person's life. As I said last week, I did one in the Rose Garden. There was roses everywhere. It was outside. It was 
really unique to anything. In fact, it was the first time a funeral had been held in that garden. And um, the family were like, that was so him. They were like, that was just perfect. We couldn't have even imagined something be and there's and the ritual was just placing a single rose on top of the casket so everyone went up and and that was their final farewell is just placing a rose on top of the casket rituals of as simple as that to different kinds of things and I think it's about what I do is really get to the core of who that person was what is their legacy what were they passionate about in their life and then how can we make create a service that's truly catered and bespoke and and personalized to that person's life Mm. and that's where I'm different because across the board it's like we just take the easy option we'll just use the chapel at the crematorium and we'll just you got 15 minutes to set up and you have the service with the slideshow and the same music and whatever Mm. um and I say no we can do so much better than that yeah and that's what I'm on a mission to and even like home funerals educating people on home funerals you can actually have a funeral at home in the garden in the lounge room even and if that is a space like a safe space for you and something that is important to your loved one you look at alternative venues like I look Mm. at alternative venues all the time um in order to represent and also I I find ways to make it multi-sensory so like sight smell sound everything if they loved what was their favorite scent how can we inject that into Mm. the service did they love burning incense so that you kind of walk into it and almost feel that person's essence and their soul and their spirit in that in that event you know in their funeral because like you're you're saying farewell to someone's life like Mm. it's such i think it's such an important life event not just for the people who are left behind and their loved ones but for that person as well like this is the honoring of their life so let's make it something totally remarkable to them Mm. so that's what I try to do with every service so you are on the Gold Coast yes does that mean that you will only do funerals because of my mortuary I can't I'm only doing it on the Gold Coast for now but I'm looking at expanding Um, but then I'm also going to be doing a lot more Online in terms of mm. it, like courses and things like that, spiritual wills, pre-planning funerals. Um, I'm working on a really exciting kind of course, which is a spiritual and practical guide to preparing for your end of life. So that way I can also reach as many people as possible. Mm. Um, and, you know, just keep going, keep, keep plugging away. And the more people I can just communicate with and talk to and just start this conversation yeah it's a really good conversation to be having so if people want to find you where should they go uh rite of passage funerals.com.au is my website and bride of passage funerals on instagram facebook i'm also starting a like a newsletter which is called letters of life and death and it's like a monthly newsletter where we start talking about this stuff and then you can go to the facebook group letters of life and death where we kind of then explore this further and you know there'll be different whole range of different subjects but in this way of fueling this knowledge to live passionately it's not about let's talk about death and and in a miserable way Mm. it's like let's just be realistic and also use it to manifest our dreams and to really think about okay well how can I now live my life to the fullest because I know that 
I'm going to die at some stage. So let's really use it to light the fire within yeah. and, and live our best life now. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Thank me. You. It took you a while. It took, didn't take you a while. It took me a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you guys all about it. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. So nice to meet you in the flesh. And um, hopefully we'll do a lot more together. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I hope you enjoyed that interview and I am hoping there are a lot more where that came from. There's a lot of exciting things happening in my world and I cannot wait to share them with you very, very shortly. So to make sure you're on top of it all, make sure you're subscribing on iTunes so you know when the next episode is out and follow me on Instagram at Jordana Levine. Until next time, I'm Jordana Levine wishing you an inspirational week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.